0: My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. A rhetorical question. Do you have a welcoming church? Don't answer right away. Take your time. Some churches are like the lady who wore a smile if you love Jesus button to work and looked like she sucked lemons all morning. We say yes, but our actions and our programs, our lack of programs or ministries, sends a different message. Let's put ourselves in the sheep pen. Once, you weren't in the sheep pen. Once, the shepherd had to leave to find you. Now that you've been in the pen for a while... you've come to like the other sheep and you're safe and you're fed and hear this you like things just the way they are and then the shepherd yes the shepherd leaves to find that sheep I believe that it is here for us today that the rubber of the gospel meets the road of our lives how would you, safe, secure, spiritually sated sheep, respond if the shepherd left? So I made a list. You know I like my lists. List number one. This is what sheep might say in the pen. He's our shepherd. What's he doing with that sheep? What with those sheep? Better yet, this is not what we pay him for. His job is to take care of Us. I'll welcome that sheep, but they can't sit in my pew. How about this one? If he wants to wander away, then let him. It's his choice. Or I love this one. Not again. (laughs) Now, I am not saying that anybody in the room would say those things, but nod your head if you've heard people in the church say things like that. And then I have to ask myself, is that what my shepherd would want me to say? So I have another list, a better list. Let's try this one. The shepherd went to find a lost sheep. Let's make room. How can we welcome the sheep? How about this one? There's so many lost sheep. Let's make a place where we can meet their needs and heal their wounds. How about this one? Maybe... I've been a sheep too long, and I need to be a shepherd who finds lost sheep. Lost sheep are so afraid. This is number nine. Lost sheep are so afraid, some are broken, they need to be healed, taught, and especially loved. I want to make a place to serve lost and broken sheep. Or this one, and you're I know you didn't see this one coming, but let's have a party. Let's make our hearts like the shepherds and celebrate when a lost sheep is found. I've been to a church where they have an altar call at the end, and when the the baby Christians come up and give their hearts to Jesus, the church gives them a standing ovation. They celebrate together the finding of the lost sheep. Now here's the difficult part. If you didn't think that was the difficult part, this is the difficult part of the passage. The Pharisees were in the original sheep pen. They studied and taught the law of Moses, and they looked down, metaphorically, on the sheep. See, the Pharisees had a list of laws, and they drew this list of laws from the Old Testament, and it was something like 630, give or take, laws that they expected all of the regular people to follow. But of course, the Pharisees followed all those laws and they had a feeling of superiority and they looked down on the sheep. Do we look down on anybody today is an interesting question. Now, when I was a therapist or being trained as a therapist, they actually had us write a paper on who would be the patient that we would have difficulty treating. If your father was an alcoholic, or your mother, or your uncle, would you be uncomfortable treating an alcoholic? If you were abused as a child, would you have trouble treating an abuser? And they went through the list so that we would be prepared when we sat across from that person, that we would be able to give them our best. Who could sit in your pew? Can an alcoholic sit in your pew? Can a drug addict or an adulterer sit in your pew? Can a divorce say? You know, there was a time when the church treated like divorce, like it was the only sin that God didn't forgive. And we didn't have ministries for divorced people. Can a thief or a liar sit in your pew? Can a homosexual or a prostitute sit in your pew? Can a trans teen or a wife abuser or a child abuser or a sex addict, sex addict sit in your pew? Can a murderer or a homeless person Now we'll have a little fun. Can a Lutheran sit in your pew? Or a Methodist or a Catholic? Or what if they parked in the wrong parking lot and a Unitarian sat in your pew? We need to think about this. Because there are lost sheep everywhere. And this is the sheep pen. This is where they need to come to feel safe and secure and spiritually fed until they're sated. In Jesus' sheep pen, I want you to hear this, all of the sheep are welcome. Now, here's the hard part. It just keeps getting harder, but here we go. It is not our job as fellow sheep in the pen to change the behavior, the choices, or the lifestyle of the sheep that come through the door. Right? If a prostitute or a homosexual or a sex addict or an alcoholic comes through the door, we are not allowed to put them in a headlock and beat them on our head with our Thomas Reference Chain Bible until they change the behavior. Our job is to love them into the kingdom and let the Holy Spirit do the job of convicting. That's tough for a lot of people to hear. Who can sit in your pew? Well, I'd like to say that what should, would, or could happen is what I'd like to have happen here. And there's three goals that we need to set. And if you don't agree with these goals, we could arm wrestle after church. I'll be in the back, collecting email addresses, and with my arm ready to go. Goal number one is to always advance the gospel. Our primary goal at this church is to tell people about Jesus. And one of three things is going to happen. They're going to listen and ignore us. They're going to listen and get mad at us. Or they're going to join hands with the Savior and walk with him for the rest of their life. Again, not our responsibility to make the decision for them, but people can't make a decision unless we ask them to. Goal number one at this church, and if, if the deacons don't agree, but they're all nodding yes, so I feel pretty safe, is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, goal number two is to seek and save and spiritually grow the lost. King's Fest. We need as many people here as we can to welcome. Our praise team is going to be one of the groups. We want to hear the quality music we have. I think I'm responsible to give a short devotion somewhere along the way. Glynny's nodding. I'll try and be, like I tell my college students, mildly entertaining, you know. But we want, to, we want to reach out to our community. Goal number two is to seek, save, and spiritually grow the lost. Goal number three is personal. I can't tell you what goal number three is because goal number three is yours. What ministry has God laid on your heart? I want you to hear this. When I was in seminary, there was a church up in the, the main line that was growing leaps and bounds faster than any other church. We talked about this church at seminary. It was called the Church of the Savior, I don't know if you've heard of it, but the senior pastor said, we are going to hire a pastor for every age group. They had a nursery pastor. They had a toddler pastor. They had about 11 or 12 pastors on staff. It went all the way through seniors. They had a pastor for families and a pastor for the divorce, so for the single parent families. Now imagine if you went to a church. By the way, we don't have the money to hire 12 pastors right now. But I want you to have the vision. That pastor had a vision. We are not ministering to everybody. We're only ministering to a core. Let's spread it out. They welcome, think of this, any age sheep. I also know of a church called Hope. It's nearby. And they build a ministry on divorce recovery. Remember I told you that in the in the late 80s and early 90s, the church treated divorce like it was the only sin God didn't forgive. They started a divorce recovery ministry. And that church probably today is seeing about four or 500 people in three different services. I went to seminary with their pastor. I was at their groundbreaking. I've sung and preached there. It's a church filled with love for broken people. Our shepherd once. This sheep pen full. Let me say that again. Our shepherd wants this sheep pen full. I worked at a church once and I said, well, where's the nursery? And they said, over there. I said, well, who runs it? Oh, we don't open it unless babies come. So if you came to that church with a child, they would have to run and find the nursery worker to open the nursery to let the child in. How welcome did that family feel? Right? So, yes, I encouraged the nursery workers to sit in an empty nursery and pray for the children that God was going to bring them. We prayed for the teens that God was going to bring and for the families that God was going to bring. How do you fill a church? With children's ministry, with singles ministry, with recovery ministries, with Bible classes, fellowship dinners. You know, I like to eat. I'm looking forward to the kitchen being done. I want to do some cooking. Fellowship dinners, they were a highlight when I was a kid. Gospel concerts, we could do counseling, we could do grief counseling, we could have evangelism explosion, we could do parenting classes, marriage support, or or my favorite answer on a test, we could D, all of the above. This is goal number three, is God laying one of those ministries on your heart. Now, I've told you about this. I have a friend in in Pennsylvania, out in western Pennsylvania, and they have a rifle ministry at their church. And on Wednesday nights, they have a big dinner, and the kids come from all over. They learn gun safety because in his town, they actually give students the day off on the opening day of deer season because they're going to get some deer And he makes the best venison stroganoff I've ever had in my life. I want him to go get some deer. Anyway, so they eat, they have Bible class, and then they have a shooting range in the backyard of the church. And all the kids bring their rifles and they learn to shoot. Who would have ever thought that would be a ministry? But children are coming to God. There are churches with drama ministries and puppet ministries and singing ministries. Any ministry that God lays on your heart. Now, I have a friend who built a church rather large. He's probably going to see between 3,000 and 4,000 people today. And as the pastor, he said, I will never start a ministry in this church. And everybody went, what? He said, I won't start a ministry until God puts it on your heart, and you convince me that we need to start that ministry. And then guests will be in charge of that ministry. You will, because God laid it on your heart. You know what they have? They have a motorcycle ministry. And you know why they have a motorcycle ministry? Not because of motorcycles, but because if you ride, and we know somebody who does, all of the great rides are on Sunday. Not probably not today in the rain but they have rides all over and all the motorcycle guys get to go on these group rides on Sunday and the Christians either have to cut church or not go. My friends are like, Doc, come with us on this ride, can't. They sort of need me at church and I, I have to say something creative and challenging. Wouldn't it be great if we had a motorcycle ministry? I would like you to pray to seek God's heart, and come up, if God's calling you, with a ministry. We have to fill the sheep pen. If you're willing to share your pew, the shepherd wants to fill it. And you know what happens? Then the party begins. Amen.